Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. It's Liz Kelly. This week, we launched a new show on the network called the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Coming from the guys who brought you the Fantasy Football Podcast, Danny Heifetz, Danny Kelly, and Craig Korlbeck will guide you through the fantasy football season, providing analysis on big picture conversations like weekly matchups, trades, and daily fantasy. The show will run every Monday and Wednesday throughout the rest of the summer, and we'll be helping you through the regular season as well. So follow and listen to the first episode of the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast out now for free on Spotify. Hey, everyone. Uh, Just a quick note before we get started with today's show. After we recorded, we received reports that two more members of the Phillies organization tested positive for COVID-19, a clubhouse attendant and a coach. Uh, Shortly thereafter, we heard from Blue Jays manager Charlie Montoyo that their doubleheader with the Phillies in Philadelphia on Saturday has also been postponed. Uh, We did not mention that in our conversation about the Marlins COVID-19 outbreak during this episode, but as with anything in 2020, this stuff evolves very quickly. So just wanted to throw that note in here if you're wondering why we do not discuss it in the upcoming conversation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 15 of Baseball Barbecue. I am Jake Mintz. That is Jordan Schusterman. You are listening to the only baseball podcast in the world that was all over David Fletcher in 2018. Jordan, we were first. BBQ first. We were, we were absolutely first. I hope John Heyman gives us credit uh, when David Fletcher has his next five-hit game. Although 0 for 5 against my Mariners last night, so I did enjoy Check that. Check the receipts. But you're right. We were definitely first. Uh, on David Fletcher, and I want to make sure everybody knows that. But yes, here we are. We have a great episode uh, for you this week. Um, We are going to talk about Joe Kelly. Obviously, we are going to introduce a few new segments that we are going to be doing throughout the episode, or throughout the season, uh, as long as the season lasts, of course. Uh, And we are going to talk to Bradford William Davis of the New York Daily News uh, about the Black Lives Matter protests that we've seen at the beginning of uh, Major League Baseball games. And during I would call it I would call it a demonstration, not to get into semantics. No, you're right. You're right. And we will get into semantics later, but I'm just the Black Lives Matter demonstrations. But Jordan, let's start things off with your, we need like a flashing graphic, like Marlins update, date, 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 date. What is the latest on the Miami Marlins and their coronavirus outbreak, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the fact that there's still a baseball season? Go. So we last spoke to you guys on Monday. Uh, We spoke to Craig Mish, uh, Marlins uh, insider, who gave us the extremely timely uh, reaction when we first got the news at the beginning of the week about the Marlins outbreak. Since then, we have received a few more additional uh, reports of positive tests within the Marlins organization. Uh, I believe as of this morning, when we got another one, we are up to now 17 players of the 30-man roster have tested positive, uh, at least at some point. Uh, in, the, in the last five days or so. Um, not great, now, Bob. Not great, not great. Uh, MLB on Monday decided to, of course, postpone any Marlins games until next week. Uh, it's very possible that that will be pushed back even farther, but hasn't just been the Marlins, of course, that have been uh, impacted by this. 
Thankfully, the team that they were playing over the weekend, the Philadelphia Phillies, so far in the uh, last couple of days have not received any positive tests from any of their players or coaches. One clubhouse attendant uh, did test positive, and that is every bit as important because players, you know, health is just as important as everyone's. Everyone in this MLB world's health is equally valuable. Um, everyone in this MLB world is equally a human being. Exactly. Um, so even though, you know, it is easy to see the reports and be like, oh, no Phillies players. But it is important to remember, like, one clubhouse attendant who was in a space very close to where the Marlins were did get it. Um, obviously, health and safety of those people is paramount. Now, Jordan, there was a report uh, last night, Wednesday night, from Jeff Passan at ESPN about new protocols that the league is now going to put into place. Uh, these include, like, uh, surgical masks during travel. These include, like, a hall monitor watchdog for the rules that's with the team all the time. Uh, what did you take away from these new COVID uh, stipulations, we'll call them? Right. So obviously, um, a big part of this whole Marlins story is where do they get it? How did this start? Which player, whatever. And there have been a lot of rumors around this. And it seems like, as we've also seen over the last week, um, and MLB reported this with the Marlins uh news on Monday that there haven't been any positive tests among any other teams. Um, MLB seems to think that the protocols going on at the stadium are mostly working. It seems that they are trying to really crack down on what happens when they are traveling, when they're at hotels, when they are in road cities. And that's why we are seeing these reports that is trying to really clamp down on players' ability to screw this up when they are not at the major league stadium, when they are clearly being watched by not only their coaches, but MLB officials. Right. And this is what we think generally did happen with the Marlins, right? Is that the protocols at the field were generally being followed, but outside the field, potentially not so much. Right. So I think having someone whose job it is to sit in the hallway of a hotel or the lobby of a hotel and make sure that players, grown adults, are not going out and breaking these rules seems silly, but it's also necessary, right? And if 99% of players are following the rules, that's not enough, right? That's what we're learning is it's not enough for 99%. It needs to be 100%. And like desperate times, I don't want to say desperate, but like extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures, right? And part of it is that I'm not saying like this is why we can't have nice things, if there's going to be an MLB season, if we're going to try and do this, I don't understand why these rules weren't implemented at the beginning of the season. Right, right. right. It does feel like it does feel like this should have already been something that was a risk when you have this many players that and and the you know the MLB player population is just as smart and dumb and careless and careful as the average you know, group of Americans. And so you're going to have people that are more careless. And so even though we've seen reports from teams that have already been saying like over the last week that like, yeah, when we're on the road, like no one leaves our hotel, it, no one leaves 100%. Absolutely no one's leaving. And I'm sure that is true. But as we've seen, it takes so little uh, for this to fall right. apart. Um, and there's so, no downside yeah. to these additional rules, right? Like the, I guess the downside is player freedom, but they're like, you're not going out anyway. You shouldn't be going out anyway. So having someone sit in that hallway telling you to get the hell back in your room, like, all right. Um, okay, I think that's it for that conversation. Again, things are changing every day. They're allowing that incubation period for the virus to kind of run as long as possible, even though I believe that 
you're technically supposed to do it even longer than that. But again, it's not as if we're following all the rules here. Jordan, speaking of people that do not follow rules, the Houston Astros played the Los Angeles Dodgers of Los Angeles this week in a rematch of the 2017 World Series. Hanging over this series was the Astros trash can banging scandal. What did we see, Jordan? What happened in Houston two days ago? What did we see? Well, this has certainly been the the story of the season thus far. As we all expected coming into the season, oh my God, who's going to throw at the Astros? Then a pandemic happened and we were thinking a lot less about, oh my God, who's going to throw at the Astros? But folks, you can always count on Joe Kelly to keep things interesting. Joe Kelly, not a member of the 2017 Dodgers, but a member of the 2017 Red Sox, <laughs> who did lose to the Astros. But more importantly, uh, he is just Joe Kelly, a guy who throws baseballs extremely hard and does not always throw them where he wants them. So, as you probably have seen by now, uh, in a game uh, against the Houston Astros in Houston, Mr. Kelly came into the game. And in a 3-0 count to Mr. Alexander David Bregman, one of the key perpetrators in the you know, whatever you want to call the Astros. Uh, the banging scandal. scheme. The banging scheme. Uh, Joe Kelly sailed a 96-mile-an-hour fastball uh, behind the head of Alexander David Bregman. And uh, Bregman was not too happy about that. He took his base. Okay, there was a little bit of chirping I here and there. Say, I, will, yeah. no, no, I will say, like, Bregman cheated a couple years ago. But in this, he handled it decently well. He gave him a stare down, and he walked right to first. He didn't say anything. He took it. It looked like Bregman had thought a lot about that moment, right? That he yeah. he knew someone was going to throw at him. And when the time came, he just had to eat shit and walk to first, right? And it, yeah. he, he seemed ready. He seemed ready. And at that moment, everything seemed like it was honestly good, right? Like people were tweeting, oh my God, Bregman, uh, Kelly. And then it kind of went into a lull for a couple batters. And then... Joe Kelly throws a up and in OO slider to Carlos Correa, way up and in that I believe was not intentional. It was just a bad pitch from Joe Kelly. Ends up striking out Carlos Correa as he's walking off the mound. They're chirping back and forth. Ke uh, Kelly screams, nice swing, bitch, to which Correa takes issue. The bench is like tepidly clear because there is a pandemic going on. Uh, and then everyone retreats. That is they the did. specifics of what happened. They did get closer to each other than even amongst the tepid, you know, clearing of the benches. Like they were, they, like the Dodgers were on the Astros side of the field. They got closer to one another than I do in the supermarket to other people, right? right? Like if right. I was as close as they were in the supermarket, I would take a couple steps back, right? And put my whatever food in my cart away from them. It was closer than any two opposing baseball teams should ever be together during any reason, but certainly during a pandemic. Right. Now. And so, yes. Then, then Joe Kelly on Wednesday receives an eight-game suspension from Major League Baseball. Jordan, where do you want to begin? So Joe Kelly gets suspended. And Dave Roberts also suspended for one game. Dusty Baker fined for, I guess, not keeping his players from or, leaving the bench. Or fine for saying uh, the incredible Dusty Ma Baker, which we think was Dusty Baker, where he says, get on the mound, motherfucker. <laughs> get on um, the mound, motherfucker. So, yes. Great. Dusty Baker gets fined. 
Dave Robinson submitted. Eight games, equivalent of 22 games in a regular 162-game season, which maybe you could say that's a hokey way to think about this, but I do think that that is pr- pretty fair to think about it in equivalence, and especially when we're talking about precedent when it comes to these suspensions. And of course, Joe because Kelly has already any, appealed this. What MLB is doing here with the Joe Kelly suspension is setting a deterrent, right? They're saying anybody else who throws in an Astro, you will get this or more moving forward, right? They are trying to deter every other team from throwing at Bregman, throwing at Correa, throwing at Springer. Now, Michael Bauman of The Ringer wrote about this on the website. You must be capable of holding multiple ideas in your head at one time. It can both be total bullshit that the Astros are players are walking away clean from their cheating scandal and fair that Joe Kelly was suspended for potentially injuring another player. Both of those things can be true. And I completely agree with that idea. That's the thing is it is easy to tweet. There was a thousand tweets last night, every which way. Oh, Joe Kelly suspended more than the guys who cheated the game. Like Joe Kelly, if he didn't want to get suspended, he should have cheated. Like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the free Joe Kelly tweets here and there. And like, listen, I agree. Like, like, our friend Michael Bowman says it can be both things at once. At the same time, like Joe Kelly, I'm sorry, he's not a hero. He's not. Because we cannot be like, yes, like Joe Kelly, like because either you're saying, yes, the Astros should have baseballs thrown at their head, which if you believe that for any reason, that is crazy and an, an inappropriate and just unsafe, ridiculous opinion. Don't throw at people's heads. Don't heads or no. Heads. And when you're Joe Kelly and you are known for not having any control, and I know Joe Kelly himself after the game was like, you know, I don't have the best control. Like sometimes I have control issues. And when Dave Roberts after the game was asked about it, he's like, I think it was just that Joe Kelly doesn't have a lot of control, which then you might ask, wow, Dave Roberts. Well, then why did you stick with Joe Kelly for an extra inning in the 2019 postseason? But okay, let's leave that aside. Sorry, <laughs> Maybe that's that why aside. he got suspended. <laughs> Maybe let's leave that aside. It just feels weird. Like Michael Bowen said, it's 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 both at once. We cannot treat Joe Kelly like some sort of hero. Sure, this seems overly harsh, considering, since it's him, very possible that it was an accident. Possible. But you cannot act like that was not on purpose. There's not a chance that that was on purpose. And if there is even a chance that it was on purpose, he deserves to be punished. If a pitcher throws a ball near a hitter and it's on accident, you will frequently see the pitcher, like, if it's near their head, be like, like kind of like lurch back and like be like, that's on me. Like you'll see some sort of physical indication from the pitcher. I think Joe Kelly did this on purpose. It was a three count, whatever. Now there is a difference here between at least in, in, at least an in intent between throwing at someone's head and throwing behind someone. I voiced this to you the other day, right? Which is like, you think this is stupid as hell. But I, my point is if you want to take a baseball and you want to throw it 20 feet above Alex Bregman's head, where he is not at all in danger, but you're sending an obvious message, I'm fine with that. Would that look ridiculous? Absolutely. But if you want to go ahead and throw it like, you know, off the net, go for it, man. We all know what you're doing, but this so was too think, close. I'm not saying this that is. I know, but you're saying that that would be sending a message. I just think that's comical and a waste of everyone. Like, it's silly at that point. But my okay. point is more we like, like silly. But this is the other. This is a point that I all. That's true. My point is also in this case it was at his head too. But there's also a chance that Joe Kelly 
was trying to hit Alex Bregman in the butt. But guess what? When you're Joe Kelly, you can't, you obviously don't have command. If you're trying to throw it and don't tell me, oh, well, I was trying to hit him in the butt, so it was okay. No, it's not. Because once you're throwing the baseball at 96 miles an hour at them in any sort of way, and you don't have pinpoint control, whether you're Joe Kelly or not, it's it's not safe. It's not okay. Do you know who's allowed to throw at people's butts is Kyle Hendricks. Because Kyle Hendricks. if he wants to he's, hit you in yes. the butt, he's going to hit you in the butt. Joe exactly. Kelly should not be allowed to throw at anybody. I mean, no one should be allowed to throw at anybody, but like, especially someone with no command. Which the last point I want to bring up here uh, before we move on is just the hypothetical question. What if this was Dylan Floro? What if Dylan Floro threw at Alex Bregman? Do we think about this differently because it's Joe Kelly and we know Joe Kelly both A, has been in fights before, has thrown at people before, is was on the Red Sox and was maybe aggrieved by the Astros and has terrible command, all of the above. Would we think about it differently? Would the suspension be different if it wasn't Joe Kelly? I think it all would have happened differently. Like, I think that Correa or Bregman or the Astros would have responded differently if it was Dylan Floro or a pitcher whose name they had never really heard before, right? But the Astros clearly had preconceived, potentially correct notions about Joe Kelly's conduct on the mound that influenced the way that they treated the situation. And so, yeah, I would say yes, absolutely. And also, this is a show that celebrates silliness on baseball fields. And to be clear, I also yeah. loved the Joe Kelly yawn and the face he made after and the sticking his tongue. Like, yeah, that is hilarious. And we should be memeing that forever. Full support. But let's not. I just do not want to be like, yes, like more people like Joe Kelly recklessly throwing 98 behind any player's heads for any reason. So to to summarize, throwing at people's heads, bad. Making silly faces on a baseball field, very good. Saying nice swing, bitch, excellent, great. Not being able to take a phrase like nice swing, bitch, and let it roll off your shoulder as a millionaire professional athlete, not good. And lastly, I just want to hammer home that like this is not fair from the perspective of the Astros players getting off. I get that right? That's not what we're saying. It is not fair. The optics of that are total bullshit that all these guys cheated. And, you know, probably that led to more games won than, you know, throwing at someone would. And they got, and they skated free. But like, we knew that as soon as Manfred made that deal with them, that's what it was going to be. That this was the situation we were going to be playing under. And so I'm not at all shocked that someone threw at the Astros. And I'm not shocked that MLB came down hard on Joe Kelly. Well said, my friend. Uh, Hopefully, Joe Kelly will be back making weird faces and not throwing at people in the near future. Uh, All right. That is our first uh, edition of what we are calling Beef Tracker. There will be many more beefs this year as there are no fans in the stands and everyone can hear what everyone is saying. We expect there to be a lot of beef, bad for the environment, good for the podcast. Well said. All right. Uh, we're going to take a short break and we will be back with Bradford William Davis of the New York Daily News. Sports are back and you can find all the action on FanDuel. MLB is here. Whether you've been with FanDuel for a while or you're new to the experience, FanDuel has two great ways to win that you won't want to miss. First off, FanDuel is adding $10 in free bets to every account. No deposit required and no strings attached. In addition to your $10 bonus, FanDuel is also giving you a day of risk-free betting. That means you can place any bets you want on baseball, basketball, and hockey and get up to $100 back on your total losses. 
what are you going to use your risk-free bets on? Well, I would recommend you check out the official Ringer Odds Boosts. Today, we got one for the Mets-Red Sox game. Uh, the odds for Pete Alonso to hit a home run and the Mets to win versus the Red Sox was 420. Now it is up to 550, which seems pretty good if you like Pete Alonso and hitting balls over the Green Monster. That seems like a pretty good bet. Another one is Yankees and Dodgers both to win. The two probably best teams in baseball was 140, uh, plus 146 up to plus 155. Uh, so you should check out those odds boosts for sure. See sportsbook.fanduel.com or the FanDuel Sportsbook app to see betting lines. If you already have a FanDuel Sportsbook account, then you're all set. Just use your $10 bonus and day of risk-free betting before they expire on August 2nd. And if you've never tried FanDuel Sportsbook, then what are you waiting for? Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started and be sure to sign up with our promo code BBQ so they know I sent you. That's promo code BBQ. 21 or older, present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, West Virginia, and Colorado. Offer ends August 2nd, 2020. $100 max refund issued in site credit and expires in seven days. $10 bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires on August 20th, 2020. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Calling Bradford Davis, man with medium dark skin tone receiving head massage, nail polish being applied to fingers with medium dark skin tone, man with medium dark skin tone dancing. All right, and we now welcome in a good friend of the barbecue, Mr. Bradford William Davis of New York Daily News. Bradford, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Bradford, let's talk about the article that you published Wednesday afternoon um, about MLB. Jordan, earlier in the podcast, I will say, we referred to it as protests. I would say it was more of a a demonstration, a performance uh, in regards to MLB's Black Lives Matter. What, what, let's start there. What word would you use to describe the events that were taking place prior to the games? It's a, it was a Rorschach test. It could be whatever you want it to be. I like, that's like 10% comedy and 90% sincere. Like, um, you know, it was, it was structured in a way where um, you uh, could happily attribute whatever cause or not cause you wanted. So long as you held this little, this little very long black rope along the baseline to signify that we were, that uh, all ba- all of baseball is one on an important issue called unity. So before we get into unity, which was kind of the basis of your article, and just walk us through the physical specifics of what the Black Lives Matter demonstrations prior to a lot of the opening day games was. So, I mean, I, got, I, got, I mean, it really does start with Colin Kaepernick, right? Like. Yeah, you no. Know, um, him and then eventually his teammate Eric Reed. Um, well, first Colin, first Colin was just sitting down during uh, during the national anthem. Then he chooses the posture of kneeling um, after consulting with um, someone in our forces, you know, um, to understand like how do I uh, do this properly, right, in a way that that show, that that shows that I do not have a bone to pick with <laughs> with the army or whatever, but 
but with the um, but with uh, institutional racism within the United States, particularly with Gleason, you know, and uh, no one heard him. Um, no one wanted to hear him when when he never explained that, and uh, it ended up him and ended it led to him being uh, blackballed out in the NFL. So um, later, Bruce Maxwell, a player on the uh, Oakland Athletics, you know, not too far from the San Francisco 49ers, also kneels one time during the end. Um, difference is that Cat, Cat while well, Kaepernick's a superstar, right? Um, or was at least at one point he, he led the team to the Super Bowl, but still a very good player. Bruce Maxwell is a pretty marginal you know, um, major leaguer at that point, and he's still a rookie. Um, he's 27. He's not like, you know, 26 or like something, you know, not, not a, you know, not a hot shot prospect right. by any sorts. Um, and, but someone on the fringes of the roster during the September call up decides to, um, decides to kneel. And so, uh, he, there's every reason with which to rationalize pushing him out of baseball because he's not an especially effective player on any statistical level. Um, and he even had caught a gun charge at one point during, the off- right. during an offseason, I think a year later. But right. you can find, even, but but yeah, you can find yeah. someone that good who's not going to cause you problems. Right, right, exactly. And then, and then, uh, but then there were still apparent rumors from, you know, unattributed to, you know, but, but um, to executives around the league who were saying, we don't like the kneeling. And that's, <laughs> that's why he's not in affiliated baseball right now. Um, no other player white, black, or anything, you know, um, knelt alongside him because that's kind of kind of sort of the most incendiary thing you do. Though, though, of course, there have been players who have spoken, you know, about the right to protest or whatever or, you know, or, or the reality of racism, you know, but it's not, uh, it, there's not nearly as much of a verbalized social conscious about this stuff in baseball. So now we fast forward to our, pre- our day, right, present day right now. George Floyd um, gets, gets killed, um, leading to massive social unrest around the country. Uh, consolidated with the, you know, the the death of a few months prior to Breonna Taylor, you know, in her bed, uh, Ahmaud Arbery not killed by police, but just racist vigilantes, as if there's a difference. Um, and, uh, you know, and all, all these names sort of like, you know, kind of coalesce into this one sort of um, rallying cry in around the country, around the world, actually, and, you know, but but uh, in a way that is unavoidable, and, and, you know, even in, even in baseball, an institution that, that um, has been, essentially trying to trade off of the equity of Jackie Robinson once working here. Um, and finally, um, you know, they just start acknowledging, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, uh, it becomes something that is held on play cards and during the MLB draft um, by like the OFC and whoever, um, and all these white GMs who have not given up the jobs or anything for, for the sake of, you know, promoting, you know, their, um, equally talented black <laughs> counterparts, something like that, so they can, I don't know. Um, all these things happen. And then, um, you know, and, and finally, uh, when Major League Baseball is finally, you know, is, is able to push through a opening day, you know, during the pandemic amidst this still real social unrest, um, a demonstration is formed um, where, uh, you know, I, I believe with Andrew McCutcheon, McCutcheon being a, a chief architect of how it was presented, um, that uh, is really, you know, it is not geared towards any specific sort of cause except the importance of showing to the world that everyone is united. Except for Sam Coonrod. Um, <laughs> right, everyone is Sam Coonrod, um, which kind of, honestly kind of upends the whole, you know, <laughs> the point right. of it. But like, but you know, but MLB does talk, you know, have these Black Lives Matter t-shirts. They like, I think they like stencil in a BLM 
um, logo. Like, I want to be, I wish I was a fly on the wall of like whatever like executive in Major League Baseball realized that MLB spelled backwards BLM. Because it would be like mind blown, like whoa, like <laughs> we could have been doing stuff <laughs> for years, yeah, for years, for for, for <laughs> centuries. <laughs> um, and but yeah, but anyway, so like, but yeah, but it's basically the same MLB logo, but just like black and white rather than red, white, and blue, and and BLM on you know stenciled on the pitcher's mound during Yankees Nationals and then Dodgers Giants. Um, and Morgan Freeman reads a speech that says nothing. <laughs> except the importance of of showing that we're all you know that we're all unified it's a, it's a speech orated by, by freeman but written by andrew mccutcheon uh, you know uh, a well-respected you know um uh and once like you know star level black player in the league um and uh yeah and that's uh and that's kind of what we saw on you know on the television on thursday and friday night basically people holding a, a long cloth saying that we don't that, that we care about each other okay so then what is what was MLB's intention in doing that, and what did this demonstration actually do, and how is that intention related to the outcome in your mind? Yeah, so I think the intention is this, right? They want they want to show that um, that they are a viable institution uh, for a audience that if nothing else has a more eager desire to show that they are not part of the problem that killed George Floyd or Brianna or Ahmad, right? I wouldn't necessarily call it um, deeply convictional anti-racism, though I, I am admittedly, admittedly pessimistic, but certainly a, um, you know, it, it certainly is kind of sobering, you know, again, to, to, to realize, you know, as we're all like cooped up in our homes and, <laughs> and realizing that, uh, this stuff is a ever present reality in the lives of, you know, um, black people, um, that, uh, like, you know, some so that's, I guess, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a need, there's a need to want to, to delineate yourself from the centuries long, um, abuses towards black folks. And, uh, and so, you know, major league baseball again, tri- you know, saying Jackie Robinson used to work here is not enough. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, I think a lot of their players, you know, one of the problems is that, is, that some, uh, is that some of their players started really speaking out about it. Do you think that MLB would have done anything if, like, the likes of Jack Flaherty, Andrew McCutcheon, players like that, hadn't said anything? Do you think they would have mm. just let it roll off the shoulder? Because we were coming I, off the heels of, like, every freaking brand under the sun releasing, like, you know, like, Smuckers is like, yo, we're not racist. I mean, MLB, MO, <laughs> Right, exactly. Skittles, you know, we taste all rainbows, you know, like here. Um, <laughs> all rainbows matter. Um, nah, uh, at, yeah, look, um, it, took t- it took like, what, nine days for me to do the baseball <laughs> drop the statement. So I, I kind of, I kind of like think that if it could have been avoided, they would have. <laughs> um, right. Well, that's they're, a, that, they're you know, in lies the issue, right? Yeah, right. That's yeah. It. But like, you know, but like everyone, you know, but, but black players started finally really talking about it, you know? Um, and, uh, and they started even sharing, exp- you know, experiences of racism, you know, like, uh, what Delano DeShields Jr. talked about, um, people yelling the N-word at him, you know, I think he told that the Jun Lee at ESPN, you know, um, we had, uh, what else, uh, Tori Hunter, right, did that thing with Ken Rosenthal on the field of people for the athletic, you know, where he's like, yeah, um, I almost got killed, like, at my house, you know, in a, 
a waist or a wing reminiscent of Breonna Taylor. Um, and people told me to just like, you know, uh, chill. <laughs> and it's right. not and like, you know, it's not, it's, not the, it's, not the, it's not the 1950s. This is like 2007, like, <laughs> or whatever. I forget the year of politics, Tory Buison, but like, you know, but it was, it was in, it was, you know, with well within our living memory as, you know, younger millennials, like, you know, like that, that this happened kind of recently. And, um, you know, but like, you never saw the light of day. Like, and so, and then of course, the glaring thing is that Bruce Maxwell, you know, uh, Nell is no longer in baseball anymore. Um, and so like, yeah, so every player had releasing you know, IG, a Twitter statement or, or an inter- or a candid interview. I, I think that, I think that definitely turned the burner up, to, you know, for me to baseball to need to like show that we support these people. But at the same time, you know, when you trade off of like, nat- you know, being America's national pastime that carries a baggage, um, you know, for a, a gigantic segment of your fan base um, that uh, does not, that also, that, Still does not want to be considered racist, but wants to, to do even less <laughs> to with which to approve that besides just not talking about it at all. And so, uh, you know, and so I have to think that like, you know, and then, I think that also extends true, you know, to to the to a, a player base. And, you know, um, that is mostly white or I should say, you know, largely white, uh, uh, you know, uh, many Latino Americans who uh, are not Latino ballplayers, rather, who um, aren't um, if they are if they do have some. African heritage don't loudly promote that part of them, you know, of themselves for some reasons that aren't acceptable in my, my opinion. And some reasons that I certainly understand given that they have their own struggle that they need to deal with. Right. And, you know, and so like, you know, how do you actually get everyone to hold this cloth? You say nothing. <laughs> yeah. uh, in my opinion. You know, and so that's what, that's what, uh, and I think that's what happened. I want to ask you about uh, one part of your piece that stood out to me is when you're talking about, uh, Aaron Hicks and John Carlson, who proceeded to kneel during the anthem, if I understand correctly. And that, that, was, that was true, but that was in the second game. In the second game, right. In the first game, just to be mm-hmm. just to be clear for everyone listening, mm-hmm. you know, at Yankees Nationals, everyone chose to kneel before the anthem. Mm-hmm. And then once the anthem started playing, stood up on both the Yankees and National side. And and the part that you that you mentioned here is how uh, Hicks references that, uh, you know, his teammate, DJ LeMayhew, you know, put his hand on his shoulder and that that meant a lot to him. And it seems that from obviously your article and also just the way you understandably talk about these things is the notion that that's not, that's not enough, even coming from the black players um, who have, you know, built up this players Alliance that has, has created this movement within MLB that looks significant because these are stories and voices that were not being pushed to the front as much than, uh, you know, in the past than they are now, but I just wanted to get your take and to kind of expand more on, on that, because I think a lot of people would just be like, Oh, but look, see Aaron Hicks, he likes it. So everything's fine, but clearly that doesn't really. And that was the toughest part about it. Right. Like, I mean, like Andrew McCutcheon, who, who, you know, who's happy to say black lives matter and, you know, and, 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 and the time spoke has spoken very passionately about the importance of, you know, his rights and civil liberties and all, all that stuff, you know, wrote that speech that I didn't care for. And that was bringing and dying and saying much. Um, Giancarlo Stan, Aaron Hicks are black men, my age, like, you know, like I, I, um, I don't have all the problems they do, but they also don't have all the problems I do because they're very well. <laughs> and I'm not, um, I'm on a podcast. So like, um, you know, so I, I, you know, I sympathize, but I sympathize certainly again, as a black man at a certain age, knowing what it's like, you know, to just to de- to deal with you know being on the razor's edge of of uh, of being a police victim, you know, a victim of police policing, um, 
And so, and, and so, you know, I, and I, and I'm not an athlete, which I mean very clear. Like I do not under, uh, intimately right. understand the dynamics between, you know, someone who's been with white players probably since like, at, you know, at best, you know, they probably been playing with mostly white people since like, you know, junior high school or something, you know, like 13, 14. Um, and, and probably see this as tremendous progress that someone even like, Acknowledge that you know that what they were doing was was right and true, which is what DJ LeMay did to his credit. Like you know, they had a reason to protest. But DJ LeMay, who did not join them, you know, like he said, I want to from LeMay. He said something effective like this: you know, I am, you know, I want just wanted to show that show in my own way that I was with them. But he wasn't with them, like not like literally with them, because if he was, he would have knelt with them, you know. And uh, and I think that's not that's not it's just not it's just not sufficient just just too long a history of people who recognize yeah it's bad to get killed <laughs> for doing nothing <laughs> but won't actually literally take on the posture or protest or you know or march or whatever you know with, with the people who are most at risk for that you know and really actually use their um again i hate to use a jargon but like the privileges you know of their uh, you know of, of not being a black person in america to to um to help uplift other people um, and so that's why, you know, I, I, that's why I, I, I described it the way I did, because I mean, I, I, I understand it meant a lot to them, but like, but I think they should want a lot more because it's not, because, because they're not asking that much from, to ask one white millionaire to nail me with them, <laughs> um, alongside not being killed by police anymore. Um, and so, uh, you know, so I, I, that was my, that was my contention, even as I, as I deeply sympathize with how they may have came, came to that, you know, came to that reason or rationalization themselves, referring to Hicks and Stanton. And of course, you know, the, the reality of being a black person in, in the United States who, um, who fears for his life when he, you know, when, you know, often when he encounters police. So now what? So we've seen these demonstrations. They happened. They're gone. The Black Lives Matter patches no longer adorn the uniforms of Major League Baseball. The advertisements uh, or the <laughs> the stencils in the back of the mound have been replaced with uh, certain, Kings, PNC Park, you know, your PNC Bank rather. It's you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, a number of players continue to kneel, but the conversation is now at risk, at least in the baseball space. Risks being kind of faded away as. 90,000 other things, including playing holy shit during a pandemic, come to the fore. I think pessimist that I am, it goes nowhere. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's the first answer to the question. Um, even, you know, even um, like Hicks and Stan, right? Again, who again, I, I'm, I'm very proud of them for choosing to kneel, you know, um, on uh, Saturday's game. Like, you know, yesterday they were, they were not kneeling, you know, during the anthem, they were all standing with their, you know, Alongside teammates unified, um, and uh, you know, um, I'm I'm very curious and hope to eventually ask, you know, kind of what happened in between Saturday and, and Tuesday, you know, or Wednesday night, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope what I what I really hope is that it effectuates a reckoning with how with the the platform that black athletes finally have to at least be honest about the reality of their experience, you know, without being immediately, you know cut from their teams um and uh, and at least the you know the apparent the apparent uh, uh, appreciation of their first amendment rights among their among the teammates and you know higher ups to say what they want to say even if they're not necessarily totally on board in the 14th amendment <laughs> at least they get the first right um that's that's cool but like i hope is that 
it effectuates a change in how Major League Baseball and its 30 franchises understand their relationship with law enforcement. That's what I think. You know, there there are I have more radical takes than that, but like, you know, but as far as something I think with that that I think is within the realm of, you know, um possibility within our lifetime is un, you know, is understanding that like, you know, this protest was, you know, was about a specific form of racism, which is, you know, which which wasn't which, which you know, there was certainly doesn't just, you know, exclude it. It's not about hiring in front offices, you know, though that you change. It's not about, you know, even bringing more black players into the game, you know, but it was about um, it's a bit, but it's a band. It's about racist policing, right? And so, um, and so that means that you can't just have law enforcement nights, you know, in every single ballpark every time, you know, all the time. You can't give twenty percent off on the, on the MLB store to, to 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 cops. Like, you know, um, even even if there are nice cops out, out there, that that is what Major League Baseball needs to divest from. You know, um, like the the cozy relationship it has with law enforcement. It would, you know, a lot of heads would roll for it, but like, but that would be to me the kind of thing that that would need to happen to make a significant change in how not just their star athletes deal with, you know, racial injustice, but anyone, you know, inside or outside the ballpark does, because it's not just about, um, it's not just about Stanton or Hicks or McCutcheon or Jeter or anyone, you know, it's, 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 it's about all black lives, you know, um, having the dignity they're, they're afforded and one of the ways that they're, that the dignity is cut away is, is, um, is how, you know, is in how law enforcement, um, is designed and perpetuated, perpetually now, managing is too, is too, uh, kind of word really, you know, but I guess oppressing, <laughs> um, the people that they, they claim to serve and whose tax dollars pay for their pensions. Well said, well said. Well, Bradford, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people uh, continue to read your work, follow you on whatever socials you prefer? I'm at the New York Daily News, as you mentioned. Um, my uh, Twitter and IG is the worst handle ever, underscore B-E-E-W-I-L-Y, B-U-Willie. There you go. Uh, Bradford, thank you so much. Uh, everyone should read you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my man. Hey, guys, it's Liz Kelly. After the show, be sure to check out another sports podcast on Spotify. Here's a quick trailer. In Formula One, the race is on. Late breaking, it's wheel to wheel. That's what I live for, dude. Get to the heart of the action with F1 Paddock Pass on Spotify. I'm Will Buxton. Join me and the fastest drivers in the world at every Grand Prix. You dream about being in F1, it's unbelievable. Floor the pedal and it's a great feeling. From previews on Thursdays to qualifying on Saturdays and a race recap on Sundays, we've got F1 weekends covered. Listen to F1 Paddock Pass for free, exclusively on Spotify. All right. Thank you, Bradford. Good conversation. The dude, let me say this about Bradford. Just from like a sheer writing perspective, he is up there, up there, up there right now. Go read everything that he writes. Your life will be better for it. Jordan, we have reached the last half of the podcast. And this week, we are going to introduce some new segments, some new topics that we're going to we're going to hammer home and try and make a feature of this here podcast. And we're going to begin with a little thing I'm going to call Stupid baseball quote of the week. Baseball players, unlike Bradford William Davis, are not always great with words. Yes. And so we're uh, going to highlight that. The eloquence uh, is sometimes few and far between for our favorite uh, baseball players. So we got a quote today, um, or recently, from one Mr. Nick Markakis, 
Now, Marcakis made some news in the last few days. Um, this honestly is kind of a big story, but there's a million other things going on. Uh, Marcakis was one of the veteran players who decided to opt out of the season uh, before the season began. And apparently, I don't think a lot of people even realize this, you can change your mind and opt back in, which is what Nick Marcakis has decided to do for the Atlanta Braves. But he had a quote. Uh, he was interviewed about this decision, and you wanted to uh, deliver this and have a little conversation about it. This quote is in regards to his original decision to opt out. He said, and I quote, And like I said, sometimes we make rash decisions that aren't necessarily thought out thoroughly, but we all make mistakes. I'm not saying it's a mistake, but I think it's a mistake. End quote. Now, aside from I'm not saying it's a mistake, but I think it's a mistake, that's an amazing, just jargony word smoothie there. Like, you are saying it's a mistake. My friend, that's what you are about to say after you said you're not saying it's a mistake. But beyond all this, Jordan, I want to talk about Marcakis's decision to change his mind. Now, you, Jordan Schusterman, one of the many features of you as a human being is that you do not feel FOMO, mm. fear of missing out. You have that's never true. once in your life felt FOMO. Uh, if we're in a group of people and you're tired at 10, 15 p.m., you will go home. You are not worried about what everyone else is doing. You will not, if you're not in the mood, you will not go. And I have always envied you for that as someone who uh, feels quite a bit of FOMO. So Nick Marcakis made this decision, this, this mistake. He returned due to FOMO. Jordan, how does that make you a FOMO-less person? Well, uh, especially uh, concerning and strange, uh, considering in this case, what he is missing out on is playing baseball, you know, during a pandemic when everything is crazy. So it's, you know, when I, you know, bolt uh, maybe a little bit earlier than everyone else uh, during a night out, like I'm not, it's not, like I'm missing out on spending more time with my friends, which I guess is true in Nick Markakis's case, right? He's, yeah. he's, I guess, home. I think he's from Atlanta. He's probably home watching the Braves on TV, knowing that he should be playing right field, I guess. Um, but he made the decision. There's also earlier in his quote, I saw also here, he says, at the time, I thought it was the right decision and it still could be the right decision, but I'm going against my decision. This is a man who is clearly very <laughs> torn by this situation. And I guess I understand it. Um, but also, this is uh, extremely bizarre and very uncomfortable to kind of watch him deal with publicly uh, because I think when people are opting out, we're like, well, yeah, that makes sense. And so for someone to change their mind in this status, when we are also still dealing with this outbreak, the Marlins, it's not like it's gotten better. That's the other thing. It's not like it's gotten better since Mark Aikens right. decided to opt worse. out. Uh, so it's very strange. The, the quotes themselves, I think, highlight the whole situation where the quotes don't make sense at all, right? We all make mistakes. I'm not saying it's a mistake, but I think it's a mistake. And then the one you said, which was, he I said, don't, it wasn't I, the right decision. Can you read it again? I thought it was the right decision and it still could be the right decision, but I'm going against my decision. Okay. None of that makes sense. And that's okay because Nick Markakis feels the way everyone else does, which is kind of the shrug emoji. It's right. like, yeah, so, he's not making sense because the decision doesn't make sense because the circumstances don't make any sense. So even though defense, this is right. a silly, weird baseball quote, 
I get where it's coming from in a very backwards way. That's All the, right. the, the miracle of these words of wisdom from Nick Markagas. Let's just hope he stays healthy uh, if we are going to continue this crazy season. Okay, speaking of this crazy season, uh, now for our uh, one of our final segments here on today's show, we want to introduce uh, a little segment we call The Good, the Bad, and the Ugla. No, not the Ugly. The Ugla in honor of the only second baseman to hit 30 home runs in four consecutive seasons, Mr. Dan Ugla, yes, Dan And Ugla. his name is Dan Ugla. Dan Ugla represents a category uh, of just baseball bizarro, which, of course, we are well-versed in, and we are going to pick the weirdest thing in baseball we saw uh, over the past week or since the last episode or whenever we last did the segment and present it to you. But, of course, we also have very simple good and bad uh, so we both have uh, come up with uh, one of each of these categories. So let's begin with the good, Jake Mintz. Uh, I think that seems fair. Uh, what was good? What what good in baseball did you see uh, in these last few days? Corey Seager, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Great. Corey pick. Seager is good. I think we forgot about him. He missed a lot of time from Tommy John, and then he came back and he was okay. He wasn't his old self. This was a dude who finished third in the MVP voting a couple years ago. and. On the Dodgers, he has been overshadowed by, understandably, by Bellinger and now Mookie Betts and, you know, Jock Peterson and all these other sluggers and Max Muncy coming out of nowhere. Corey Seager, when he's at his best, is a top 10, 15 player in Major League Baseball. And every indicator so far this season says that Corey Seager is capital B back. He hit a ball, I believe, on opening night. It was like 105 off the bat, opposite field double. And it was like, oh, right. He's an incredible baseball player, and I think we all forgot about him, and I'm very happy that he is good again. He is truly one of the the ultimate luxuries in a team yeah. chock full of luxuries, um, but totally agree. He is, uh, yeah, he finished MVP, third MVP in his rookie season. Like, we right. can't, <laughs> that is not a normal thing to happen under any circumstances, and we're just like, oh yeah, he's just one of the good players on the Dodgers, but like, no. No, he's he's one of the best players in the league. And by the way, not only is he one of the best players in the league, we just watched them, you know, extend uh, uh, Mookie Betts for three hundred whatever million dollars. Corey Seager is a free agent after next season, and like, <laughs> and I know that seems crazy because it feels like he was just a rookie and he was just you know this hot shot, but like. He is going to make a lot of money too. I know we're we're jumping ahead here, but you're so right. It's he's it's good. not crazy to imagine him being. Honestly, I would not be shocked if he's better than Bellinger this year. Hard to imagine he's better than Mookie because Mookie's more, been more consistent. But like, I wouldn't be insane to see him better than Bellinger. Seager, Seager it feels exactly like the type of guy who could have a hot two months and win the MVP. What's your good, Jordan? Uh, my good is more of a collective, is more of a team effort. The but collective I believe, good. I believe it has been the most impressive collective group on the field statistically in baseball so far. And that is the Cleveland starting pitching. Holy shit, the Cleveland starting pitching has walked three batters through their first <laughs> six starts. They have all all six of them have thrown quality starts, by the which I know dumb stat, but still that's that is impressive right. consistency in a year where all of the pitchers are getting injured, including their former ace, Corey Kluber, who they traded away. And everyone's like, oh my God, they're trading away Corey Kluber. Now, that does not make that a good trade. Still a bad trade, but it's looking like a bad trade for both sides at this point. Uh, and clearly, they were able to do that because they can just pull Aaron Savali out of their butt. Like, I, these are guys, these are not first-round picks. 
you know, don't think that Shane Bieber, like, yeah, he was good in college. He was not supposed to be one of the 10 best pitchers in the world. And he very well might just already be that. And Savali, Bieber, and Plesak all being the same draft is nuts. Yes. Yes. That is, that is like, even if you don't follow the draft, like, you know that it's a crapshoot and there's so many first rounders that suck. And like, there's so, but like to nail three of those three seemingly above average major league starting pitchers in the same draft, none of which were first round picks, none of which threw 99 when they were in school is truly remarkable. Not to mention Mike Clevenger, who's awesome, and Carlos Carrasco, who's casually back from cancer and looks great. So they are incredible. And I credit to their pitching dev and credit to their a team. Listen, Cleveland is far from the perfect baseball organization for a million reasons. But they know how to make starting pitchers, and it is very impressive, and I think it could carry them a long way if this season is going to continue. All right, Jordan, your good is related to my bad. Mm. We have done our good. It is time for the bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. My bad, Jordan Schusterman. Sox pitching. I'm oh talking about the White Sox. I am talking about the Red Sox. I am not talking about any other colors of socks because those are the only socks we have. Yeah. But both Sox pitching staffs, starting pitching staffs, have been terrible. They are second and third in the highest starters ERA in baseball. Mariners are number one. I'm sorry, but they Let's were go. supposed to be that. Number one. Congratulations. Second and third, two teams who thought that they would contend and so far have been very disappointing. Uh, the White Sox pitching rotation, Giolito got bombed his first time out. Cease, Reynaldo Lopez, and Rodon, none of them got into the fifth inning. I don't even think Reynaldo got out of the first inning. These were the guys who were supposed to anchor this rotation. Uh, they were the question marks for the White Sox coming into the year, and so far they have been bad. Giolito was better his second time through. Keiko was good his first time through, but still, if they're going to contend, they're going to need more from those guys. Red Sox, they were supposed to have Sale. They were supposed to have Erod. They don't have either of those guys. Ryan Weber is starting for them. Doesn't look good. As an Orioles fan who watched the Red Sox rotation just crumble to the Orioles' mediocre offensive attack, I am extremely worried for this baseball team this season. Yeah, because we said, like, and we said in the previews, like, they're going to have to outscore the other team. And the offense has looked okay in spurts. Um, I know Christian Vasquez is off to another ridiculous, you know, juice ball start. Um, but but no, you're so right. It has been bad. And Eovaldi's been solid, but Perez and and Matt Hall, I mean, it's it is it is not pretty. So totally. One right. socks, two socks, red socks, white socks, bad socks. Jordan, what is your bad? I am going to go to someone. Now we knew the Red Sox pitching was going to be bad. Maybe we didn't know it was going to be this bad, but we knew it was going to be bad. But no. This bad is actually one of the best baseball players on planet Earth. Yes, as of this morning on July 30th, just a few days into the season, out of 174 qualified major league batters, who ranks 174th in wins above replacement? It's Christian Yelich. It's Christian Yelich. Oh. He is last. He is last. Christian Yelich currently hitting a whopping 037, 071, 148 on the season he has one hit that hit was a home run that is that is what is boosting his slugging that his one hit <laughs> was a home run uh but he looks um truly terrible and yes uh it's his six games uh this is an extremely tiny sample size um but he but also looked awful in spring training 2.0 yes he he was that this was actually a storyline before the season started as well in the inner squad games 
Uh, so very uh, concerning. Now, listen, small sample size. I'm sure Christian Yelich is going to be fine, and he's not going to finish at you know negative five WAR or whatever. But for a short season, like it is true that the standings are going to matter very, very, very quickly. And even when you know 16 teams make the postseason. Uh, Brewers are going to need Christian Yelich to not be actively terrible. Maybe they don't need him to be, you know, God-level Christian Yelich, but they cannot have him actively harming the team, which he has for the first six games of the season. He'll be fine. Not worried. Not worried. But he has been Jordan. All right, it's time for the ugly. We have done the good. We have done the good. We have done the bad. It is time for the ugla, the weird, the bizarre. And for my ugla, I am going to pick Franchi Cordero. Interesting selection. Are you aware... As are you aware of what has been happening to Frangie Cordero so far this I, season? I, I think generally, but please inform our audience. Uh, if my math is correct, Frangie Cordero has gone up to the plate 12 times so far this year. He has appeared at the plate 12 times. We'll call those plate appearances. He has walked once. Let's take that out of the equation. He has 11 at bats now. Okay. He is one for 11. Franchi Cordero might be the unluckiest baseball player I have ever seen so far this season. I'm just going to read his batted ball miles per hour velocity and the outcome this season. Okay, 11 at bats. Ready? 111, ground out. 109, ground out. 97, line out. 90, ground out. 83, double. Oh, that's so baseball. 69, fly out. Nice. 91 ground out, 74 fly out, 100 ground out, 69 ground out, 102 line out. So he has hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven balls at 90 or higher, all of which have been outs. He has hit four balls at 100 or higher, all of which have been outs. It is just super weird. He's hitting the absolute nuts off the ball and has nothing to show for it. Yes, and of course, this is a guy who uh, was so tantalizing in San Diego. The Royals trade for him just before the season. And for those of you not as super-duper familiar with what is a good exit velocity, 95-plus is considered hard hit. If you're at 110, like, there's only so many people on Earth that can hit the ball 110. And Franchi, like, even though he's barely played in the majors, does it all the time. Um, so that is why the Royals are going to take a gamble on a guy like Franchi. So I love that. I hope that the, the, the luck can turn around for Franchi. I just love the way that his season starts, right? He gets traded to a new team. Like, he's feeling optimistic. And uh, right off the bat, he goes 111, 109, 97 miles an hour, 0 for 3. Uh, I love that. All right. For my ugla, good luck to Franchi and his BABIP, uh, good vibes. <laughs> my, my ugla is going to be one of our favorite players in the league, Mr. G-Man Choi, who coming mm. into the season, we were already very excited about. We thought he could be a big part of the Rays offense. He has delivered us some amazing moments in his brief major league career. Uh, we were, we knew all those things. We were excited about G-Man Choi. What? We did not know about G-Man Choi, and which I am kind of ashamed as a Mariners fan did not know, as G-Man Choi, former Mariners prospect, is that G-Man Choi, when he feels like it, is a switch hitter. Now, how did we learn this? Well, when he's in the mood. When he's in the mood. How did we learn this? Well, on Monday, against, or Sunday, I think, uh, against the Tampa Bay, or against the Toronto Blue Jays, he was facing Anthony Kay. Uh, of the Toronto Blue Jays, a left-handed pitcher who, you know, not usually a great matchup for Mr. G-Man Choi. And G-Man Choi, knowing 
that, oh, I'm on the raise. If I'm facing a lefty, I'm probably going to be ended up on the bench, whatever. G-Man Choi goes up right-handed against Anthony Kay. And first at bat, strikes out on three pitches. Well, that's stupid. Everyone's like, why the hell did they let him do that? This is ridiculous. Next at bat, what was I just saying about exit velocity? 110, that doesn't happen ever. 110 off the bat, home run, 415-something feet to left center field, hitting right-handed for the second time in the majors in his life. And I just, I, what the hell? What the hell was going on? Why, <laughs> why did no one know about this? What the, what the hell? What is going on? He's been in professional baseball for like 10 years. He's never done this before in a game. I went back and did some research. It sounds like when he was with the Mariners towards the end of 2016, he just started giving it a shot. He wanted to give himself some more versatility. Goes to the Angels, was doing it in spring training. They're like, dude, stop fucking around. Like, this is not going to work. We're not going to let you do this in the game. But of all teams to let G-Man Choi do this, of course, it would be the Rays. And my goodness, one of the most glorious things I have Amazing. ever seen. So. It was great because, you know, casual baseball fans out there, like, you may not know off the top of your head that G-Man Choi is a lefty or a righty or a switch hitter. Like, even, you know, us baseball nerds, like, I'll forget sometimes who hits what way. And so when I saw someone tweet, like, G-Man Choi just hit a ball out righty, I was like, yeah, like, he's righty. And then I had to think about it for a second. I was like, holy shit. And I went to B-Ref and it said bats left. And it was like, did he just go up there and not tell anybody? Like, that's what's so great. Was this that's approved? And I was like slightly tipped off to this because during spring training 2.0 summer camp, G-Man posted a video on Instagram of like an inter-squad game, him hitting a, like a double right-handed. But I just assumed, because forgive me, I can't speak Korean and I didn't I didn't understand the caption. I assumed that was like, ha-ha, messing around in practice, you know. <laughs> Apparently that was legit. And um, I just, I, I love this so much. And it only uh, makes the legend of G-Man Choi grow even more. And Amazing. I just want to include uh, one quote from G-Man um, uh, from Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, uh, the, the, the esteemed Tampa Bay uh, uh, Rays reporter. Basically, after the game, he says, uh, I wasn't really stressing about it too much. I didn't want to tell the uh, Blue Jays manager, Charlie Montoyo, about our little secret. I wanted to keep that to ourself, to myself. I just decided I felt pretty good, so why not? As for whether he is, considers himself officially a switch hitter, Troy said, I still don't know. Maybe. <laughs> he's just like, dude, like you're playing Major League Baseball games. He's like treating it like a fucking wiffle ball game. Like, all right, I'm going to bat lay and see what happens. Oh, God. I love it. Got to keep G-Man. an eye on G-Man Choi versus left-handed pitching. What will he decide to do? Amazing. Uh, that All right, has been the it. good, the bad, and the ugla, Jordan. Very ugla this week. That was a good, a, nice and ugla. Yes. I like using this as an adjective. Makes me happy. Yes, I missed that ugla. Can All we right. get the, producer Bobby, can we get the, just the quick clip of, and his name is Dan Ugla. Oh, man. Ugla drills it deep. His name is Dan Ugla. We'll hit you with those. We'll hit you with those links, Bobby. Don't worry. Uh, All right. We're here at the end of the show, and we wanted to finish as is really just in the spirit of everything we do when it comes to baseball, uh, the spirit and notion of baseball joy. We are playing baseball during a pandemic. Everything is terrible. The season might end at any moment. But while we have baseball being played, there will be things that happen that make us very happy. And we wanted to celebrate. We want to celebrate one of those things at the end of every episode. So for this week's baseball uh, moment of joy, before we say goodbye, uh, we send it to Cincinnati, Ohio, 
where a young rookie named Tyler Stevenson steps in against the Chicago Cubs. Fly ball, deep left center field, and in his first major league event, Tyler Stevenson plays long ball. How about that? Congratulations, young man. Go ahead and smile indeed. Okay, Tyler Stevenson. First career of the top catching prospects in baseball. Was called up to the Reds because Mike Moustakis went on the COVID IL. Tyler Stevenson. For 20 minutes. For 20 minutes and then came back, but whatever. Uh, Tyler Stevenson, a very good prospect. We expected to see him in the majors at some point in the next 18 months. This is not a guy we were expecting to factor big into the 2020 Reds season. Was called up because he's a catcher and it's nice to have catchers when your roster is changing in the last minute. Pinch hits against the Cubs and hits a freaking home run in his first at-bat. First Reds hitter to do that in 70 years. These are the moments. These are one of the baseball things, hitting a home run in your first at-bat, that is truly unmatched in any other sport, and I love it so much, and it is delightful, and I'm so happy for Tyler Stevenson. The reason that it's great is other sports, like, I guess soccer and hockey, it's a little different, but like other sports, if if it's your first game, like you're probably not going to have the opportunity to do something incredibly memorable. Like if you're making your debut for the for the Lakers, like you're not getting the last shot. Like you're not, right? If you're playing football, like you're a wide receiver at the end of the game, like chances are ball's not coming to you, right? Baseball, doesn't matter. You're up there, you're hitting, you get your moment, right? And so you have the opportunity to make it your moment. That is exactly what Tyler Stevenson did. And I know we played the audio, but watch the video. The smile is so good. And look, and I know I, I, on Twitter, you know, we've been celebrating major league debuts because they're happening in front of no fans and no, you know, friends and family, whatever. But my goodness, it still means the same thing. And of course he wishes his family could be there. But like, you can't, you only get one of these two, man. Like, you, and you know, to quote Eminem, you, you got, it's once, you got one shot. To hit a home run in your first major league at bat. And no, it's not like you're, it's, we're not going to shame you if you don't. But if you do right. it, my God, it is the coolest freaking thing in the world. And I'm so glad we got one of those moments for a player who is probably going to be around and be a good major leaguer for a long time. So this isn't just some random dude doing this, which I know sometimes that makes it better. But super happy for Tyler Stevenson. Uh, congratulations to him. And uh, I already been optioned back down uh, to the alternate training site, so uh, <laughs> didn't take long. But look, man, he—I believe he was sent down to the uh, to the minors with a 1,000 career on base percentage, which is That's absolutely badass. amazing. Yes, he he is now uh, down hitting 1,000, 1,000, uh, 2,500. So, cheers to you, Tyler Stevenson, our baseball re- moment of joy. Just retire now. Yes, honestly, go out with your 855 OPS plus. We would love to see that. All right, we're here at the end of the show, Jake. Uh, let's say our thank yous. Thank you to Bradford William Davis, uh, the wonderful uh, reporter writer at the New York Daily News for talking to us. That was great. Thank you to our producer, Bobby Wagner, who will be producing this podcast as soon as we are done speaking words. Thank you to you, Jake Mintz. Any, any, anything else? Yeah, I mean, holy shit. There's a new podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, R2C2. CC Sabathia, Jordan finally teammates with CC Sabathia again. Like, I, you know, I used to be teammates with CC Sabathia. Me, Nick Johnson, I was teammates with him in like 2009, I think, on the Yankees. And it's great to be back with him again. 
on yeah. the Ringer Podcast Network. Uh, CC's the best, and we're very excited to have them uh, on the same network as us. Um, but yeah, so enjoy your pandemic baseball. Please stay safe. Please wear a mask. And we hope that we will be back here with another baseball podcast, sort of normal about baseball, next week. Thanks for listening. Who knows? Baby? Who knows? <laughs> Goodbye. Have a good weekend. <laughs>